Welcome, foolish mortals, to the All Things Cozy 2017 Spooktacular, a podcast about everything evil, dark, and bloody. I'm Matt. I'm Jillian. And today we're joined by a very special ghost from the past. Can you guess who it is? It's the writer and host of the queer horror podcast Dead for Filth, Michael Verratti. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> That's quite the introduction. All right, I just had to throw that in. I have a Halloween soundboard I'm using for this episode, and I'm going to milk it for all that it's worth. I am 100% here Well, you got your it. money's worth. Yeah. So Michael was a guest very recently, but we had to have him back for his horror film expertise. He's honestly the Halloweeniest person I know, and I feel terrible for saying weeniest because that's not Aww. a great compliment, but... Actually, you know, I consider that a huge compliment <laughs> considering the season. You know what I mean. I do. Yeah, glad to have you back. Thank you so much. It's good to see you both. Um, so we're here today to talk about the holiday Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays. Probably, yeah, I think it's for me a little bit before Christmas is because of how special it is. And so we have a very special episode for you um, where everything's a little bit darker and creepier, mm-hmm. I guess. We're going to get started today with relishing our resentments. <laughs> my resentment that I'm relishing this week, I, I love it. I love my Relish. resentment, is um, related to Halloween, actually, because okay. I follow Martha Stewart on Instagram, as everyone should. I don't, sure. If you're not following Martha Stewart on Instagram, you're doing it wrong. She posted a video of somebody's front porch that was decorated for Halloween. It was beautiful. It was a little, I mean, it was, it was, it leaned heavily on Target's collection of Halloween decor, Mm -hmm. but it was still really festive, wonderful. Mm -hmm. I made the mistake of looking at the comments for that, and they were the most judgmental, awful, mean little comments about someone's harmless Halloween decorations. Uh, What'd they say? They were just like, well, most of the, the, the common refrain, and this is my resentment that I'm relishing, is... That it was too soon, because she posted mm-hmm. this maybe September 20th, like around there. And they were like, Halloween's a day, not a season, which is wrong. I disagree. I so mm-hmm. wholeheartedly disagree. Every and, day is Halloween if you live properly. Yes. And life is so horrifying. Just let someone have their right. damn porch. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, like, I mean, and also just seeing a an, an innocent Instagram post like that and deciding I'm going to take the time yeah. to comment a nasty little comment about, cause it was actually like a, a, a real person's porch that she just like plucked from their Instagram and put on hers. They saw all the comments, these nasty things mm-hmm. you're posting. It's so rude. Ghouls. Um, ghouls. Exactly. They're the scariest thing about Halloween yeah. are these um, curmudgeons. And yeah, so like uh, to me, 
I want to really get the most out of my Halloween season, so I put my decorations up on September 15th. I followed the Disneyland and Disney World Resort <laughs> model <laughs> for Halloween decorations, which is September 15th. They come down November 1st. I think it's a widely held tradition to observe the 45 days of Halloween. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. An advent calendar. Exactly. When do you guys put up your Halloween decorations? Mm, Mine are already up. I just put mine up yesterday, so I guess I'm lagging. But I don't judge those who put theirs out prior. I could care less. I mean, my feeling is that... It's so much work to put out decorations. I want to enjoy it for as long as possible. Right. Which is also why for Christmas, mm-hmm. I put up my decorations pretty much immediately, like around like late November before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Right. And I don't see the issue in that because typically I'm traveling too. So I want to enjoy them for at least a month because I'm not around often to enjoy my own decorations. Yeah. I think that for me, because of the horror movie thing and the work that I do, my I, people expect that my place is is going to be decorated to high heaven, but like the truth is, my place is already a little spooky mm-hmm. just with the decor that mm-hmm. I have. One of my favorite things is uh, my roommate. I don't know that he knew I was home one day, uh, and he and his uh, significant other were watching a film, and I I heard uh, his boyfriend say, "Oh." Uh, are those spiders on the coasters? And my roommate said, yes, there's nothing in this apartment that doesn't have a ghoul on it. (laughs) And uh, I think that's a delight and one of my favorite things. (laughs) Totally agree. Um, So actually, my real Halloween decorations that I dig out every year are uh, tasteful and minimalist because everything in my apartment is already a little spooky. (laughs) (laughs) So you class it up for Halloween. Yeah, I do. It's kind of like, you know, observing something important. That's an interesting perspective because I, I never thought about it in terms of someone who deals with the spookiness all year. Yeah. I mean, like I have a candy dish that's yeah. like bones and things like, but that's just like, it's, it's my candy dish. There's, it's out there year round. Yeah. Hmm. What I like about Halloween is that there's no, you can be tasteful, but there's no imperative to be tasteful. I right. think it's a holiday that you can embrace being a little bit corny or a little bit mm-hmm. gross. I, I'm kind of there for any kind of aesthetic. I typically don't do the horror spooky. type spooky stuff like tombstones or like bloody windows, things like that. Yeah. I go for more of the, I mean, I, my, my Halloween decorations are almost exclusively Yankee candle, bony bunch figurines. And then beyond candle holders, it's like window gel clings from target. So I like the window gel clings the most, it's, not it's, for any other season. It's basically yeah. my living area for Halloween is like half a Yankee candle and half a, third grade classroom. So that's that's my Halloween aesthetic. Oh, I, it's a nice mix. I like that. My Halloween aesthetic is just making things more fall. So like more autumn colors, some oranges. Mm-hmm. Bust w- out the new bedspread. Right. Warm <laughs> hues. All things cozy. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Jillian, what is your resentment this week that you're relishing? Oh, man. Um, well, those emails that act as if they're speaking to you personally... <laughs> Oh. I thought for a second you were going to talk about Hillary's emails. <laughs> Those emails. Benghazi. <laughs> crooked Hillary. <laughs> I reveal myself to be a Benghazi truther. <laughs> That's truly scary. Yeah. Um, that is terrifying. It all comes out um, on Halloween. <laughs> well, it's like, it's anything. It'd be a blue apron, you know, an offer's expiring. And then I'll be, the subject line would be, Jillian, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and and they won't, it won't say blue apron. It'll be like KDM, like one of their you know, marketing people. And so I'm like scrolling through my email on my phone for a second. I'm like, oh my God, who needs to talk to me? And it's 
Katie M from Blue Apron or, you know, one of those, I'm signed up for those one emails, one, um, God, I forget, it's a political thing, which I, you I, know. I know exactly what you're talking about because the, the targeted emails I get are like from the ACLU or whatever, yeah. but yeah, they're political as well. And so it is kind of like connected in I'm a way, active, the Hillary thing, but so. like you'll get the email and it'll be like, Michael, we need your response now. Yes. And you're like, oh my God, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> exactly. It's it's jarring and it doesn't inspire me to take action. I would just prefer to have a standard, hey, this is going on. Can you sign this petition? Instead of the sense of urgency and trying to almost trick me into opening Right. The email. It makes me resent the politician. It's just, it makes me feel resentment all over. I just, it really bothers me. And we're relishing me. it. Yeah, we're relishing yes. it. Relishing so it. it's a small thing, but it's just like one of those things that I'm like, why? 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 Just why? Michael, what is your resentment? Well, since the homework assignment was a resentment that I have to relish for the Halloween holiday, I, I actually thought about what's something I hate but can appreciate at the same time. And living in Los Angeles, uh, and I'm sure this is something you both can agree with, parking here can be crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, my resentment is when I'm in a new neighborhood and I park on a street and they have like the seven signs, not just one, like the street cleaning sign, but it'll be like, you can only park here from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., but not on Tuesday, but with this like permits exception, but also during this time. And it's like trying to figure out this maze of confusion. You have to basically do calculus to figure out when you're supposed to park Mm -hmm. there. Right. And I mean, I think the standard rule of thumb is if there's like more than three signs and you don't understand it, just don't park there because you're probably going to get a ticket. But since I'm relishing that resentment, I have to say that I admire how wickedly evil a planet is to make it so confusing <laughs> to put like 19 signs up that you literally give someone an existential crisis who's just maybe trying to go to the grocery store. And uh, I hate it because our city's huge and parking's tough. And anytime I go to a new place, I have to kind of figure my life out. But on the same token, I've always said throughout my life, I have to... Uh, you know, give respect where respect's due to an evil plan. And yeah. wow, that's the evilest. It is. It is. It's very, very sinister. So that's a resentment. I guess I can relish in terms of just sheer, sheer Machiavellian nonsense. There's definitely some evil witch in City Hall who is maneuvering <laughs> all of that. Absolutely. Our next segment this week is Spooky Locations. This goes on quite for a little, it's a little longer than I wanted it to. Oh, well, you know, it's a lengthy haunting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jillian, what is your spooky location this week? Well, when I was growing up, there was this, um, it was called Kings Park Psych Center, and it's just an abandoned psych center, and I thought, I don't know if it's like you have to do the cozy locations that are cozy and then add a spookiness to it, but I just thought I'd choose a real spooky location. For a second, I thought you were going to say, I find psych wards cozy. Yeah, I spent a lot of time there. So, yeah. so. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a yeah. little spooky, <laughs> yeah. too. Have you explored it? Did you actually go in? No, but there's, like, well, when I was little, I would, you know, you see it looming in the distance, and you drive past it, and... It's abandoned. Yeah, it's abandoned. Well, it's actually a sad, you know, backstory is that um, I think New York State just cut funding for all these psychiatric centers and just let... Um, the patients go and so that's an another element of spookiness being a sad spookiness but i know a lot of (laughs) (laughs) people would explore it you're like just people in high school or teenager to go explore it and you know take pictures like oh it's so artistic the psych center 
He gets a lot of independent study. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Col- college student photographers. <laughs> yeah. Real, real cutting, have, have real any, cutting edge stuff. Have but. any scary things happened there? Like hauntings or murders? I think there's always those, the stories, tons of, I don't know, can't think of a specific, you know, one offhand. Um, but it's just, when you see it, it's like slowly sinking into the ground, ground too. So it's, it's really creepy. It's you going can, straight to hell. You can Google it. But. Well, it's interesting. I know I'm about to date myself, but I n- kind of know what you're talking about, about the New York state closures of all of these like mm-hmm. psychiatric institutions, because when I was a kid, there was a Geraldo special about one specific one. And I can't remember what it was called, like morning star, morning wood psycho, something like that. And, uh, they just one day were like, wow, we don't have the funding, but they were mm-hmm. like severely psychiatric damaged yeah. people. And so the doctors and nurses were just like, okay. And they just kind of left. And mm-hmm. some of the patients actually were still in the building and they just never came back. And then there was a special like... They were, they were there when Gerardo came back. To yeah, visit. there were people like living in the dark and because the, they were like That's not so taken care of by society. They didn't know what to do. And it was like really kind of like, it was sheer grounds for a horror movie. You know, like the idea that they're like, "Quote unquote crazy people living in this yeah. like a dark abandoned building." I wonder if someone's done a movie on it yet because it seems like such a right premise. Yeah, yeah. Huh. American Horror Story kind of did a season Asylum. I mean, yeah. they go back to when it was active, but then it's sort of bumpered with these scenes of it later, right? And mm-hmm. people are getting murdered by bloody face. That's my favorite season of Horror Story. Really? Yeah. That's my least favorite season of Horror Story. I like it because I think it's actually horrific. And uh, I I like the notion that... I know that everyone says that's the kitchen sink season because they throw everything. Yeah, the, I think the aliens it. were the straw that broke the camel's back for me. All the alien stuff. Well, yeah, I can get that. I'm not an alien person when it comes to Halloween. Ho- <laughs> 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 I'm just that's not. Cute. I'm just not because... I don't know. They get thrown in there as like part of, you know, it's like ghosts, pumpkins, cats, aliens. I don't I, consider them a part of Halloween. Well, me neither, no. but they get lumped in there, I think. Hmm. I've, I've seen it. I, I think you're hanging with the <laughs> I wrong I believe people. you don't. I think so, too. <laughs> well, you see, uh, you uh, look, okay, there's UFO. I mean, even when I downloaded my Halloween soundboard, there are UFO sounds on it. It gets jammed in there. Well, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I guess you know everyone has their own version of Hall- Halloween, as we were talking about. Well, that one's everyone wrong. has their different type of decoration <laughs> and scary things. Yeah. Well, I'll allow most. To things, be fair, but not there might be some. Keep that at the state fair. I don't need that. Alien-centric listeners. I really liked the last one, Roanoke. I like supernatural stuff. Same. But I think people stopped watching American Horror Story largely by that point. And so no one kind of saw... I, the, it actually felt like they had written the season. Because the thing about that series that, that sort of bothered me, especially initially, is it feels like episode to episode, they don't know where they're going. But because of the framing device for that, for Roanoke, they had to. Because it was, you know, a documentary, and they were going back through that, and they had the actors, and then the real people. And mm-hmm. so... Anyway, we don't talk about that, but I, yeah. I really, I really like that season. But for listeners who are maybe looking for something that like captures that good spooky Halloween spirit, uh, there's a great show that's on Sci-Fi uh, Channel these days called uh, Channel Zero, and each season is in the American Horror Story sort of spirit is uh, inspired by like creepy pastas or like myth mythology that has been discovered on the internet. But it's legitimately spooky and scary show i really really recommend it i like it a lot uh the new season just started uh don mancini who is the creator of chucky is one of the writers so i like it 
I want to ch- I want to check that out. It's really cool. I really Cre- like creepy it. pasta. That's on Reddit, right? Creepy pasta. Well, creepy pasta predates uh, Reddit, um, but it's stories that are presented uh, kind of in the zeitgeist, like they're they're internet era urban legends. So they kind of start getting traction, and people believe them to be true. Uh, there's a great one that floated around for years about. Uh, this children's TV show that like all these kids have memories of watching because it was being posted on a message board incrementally over months, Mm -hmm. but it was just actually constructed story that people did. Uh, you know, I remember that show and, you know, then like the ultimate punch, like six months in is that like the parents of the kids who watched the show would come in and their kids were only watching static on TV. So it's only like group. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's kind of cool to, um, to see that being a new defining thing for genre television no those are really creepy i've read some of those there's there was another one i remember about like a a facebook friend that was messaging somebody from the dead mm. and they had like they had photoshop screenshots of their facebook account and it's it's really effective well yeah because it's meant for you to like you know we all are attached to our devices anymore and you're like laying in bed at night and you start reading that and you're like oh my god you know yeah my spooky location are west hollywood gay clubs <laughs> I thought of places that I dread going, and and those are top of my list. Any place where you can hear the music they're playing inside on the street, I don't want to be there because yeah. immediately I'm I know what's going to happen is I'm going to go in, I'm going to try to have a conversation with the people I came with. I'll fail because we can't hear each mm-hmm. other. We'll spend too much on drinks, and none of us will have fun. And so it's a, it's a spooky yeah, it's location a- to me. It was very spooky. You and I have interacted at those kind of locations, and I think we're of the same mind, where we'll like have our glass of wine or whatever and be like, oh my God, let's get together and talk for real sometime. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I honestly d- don't get the point. I'd much rather meet up with my friends yeah. and either go to somebody's apartment or house and just hang out or go to a quiet bar or yeah. a quiet restaurant yeah. or something. Yeah. If I'm picking a venue for that kind of evening out, I want to be able to hear you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I get that 100%. Loud sounds are spooky. I don't like them. I just don't <laughs> like crowds or when it's cash only. And the, the, I think Ugh, those kinds of places only. are sometimes it can, or the cover just to right. get in to not hear someone and pay for like a Wells drink or something. Like it just seems not, not worth I it usually in, any, in any setting. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, what's your spooky location? Uh, my spooky location is, uh, Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank, and I'm about to give a good shout out mm. to a, a lot of fine business owners here in the city of Los Angeles and its suburbs. Uh, Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank has a stretch of stores. I always call it Monster Row because um, if you are into spookiness and monsters and horror and things, there are a number of different storefronts, mm-hmm. including Dark Delicacies, which has been there for uh, 25 plus years. It's uh, curated by this book editor and author, Del Howison, and it's a horror-themed bookstore. So there's all the books are genre-related, oh, cool. but you can also get like candles and bath bombs mm. and things that are like oh. Halloween-y. And it's real cute and cozy. And like you know, you go in, you get a book, and you can take get the candle that you can burn while you read it. Uh, up the street is a museum called uh, Bearded Lady Vintage, and they have uh, spooky art and like old Ouija boards, and it's like this whole thing where you can go like look at exhibits. Um, there's a store there called Creature Features, which is devoted all to like old horror movies, so you can go get posters and like paraphernalia from old movies. Uh, it's just weird that they all are like in a row, mm-hmm. um, and they're How open. Did that start. 
I don't. Well, I think Dark Delicacies is like the the original because they've been there for so long. And like when you're in the horror community, like it's a mark of honor to like do a, a DVD signing there or a book signing there, because uh, everyone, you know, like when a new release happens, like John Carpenter mm-hmm. will be there signing his movie or whatever. Uh, and it's just cool. It's cool to have that when you want to keep your spooky aesthetic going all year round. There's this place here in Southern California that you can like hit these multiple stores. You can get a museum experience or get a book or get a poster or like there are costume shops on that row mm-hmm. and it's just like fun stuff. And that's open year Good round. Hot yeah, yeah. It's year not round. like spirit Halloween. No. And in fact, also on that street is a, a trio of stores called Halloween Town, which I believe, but I could be wrong, are co owned by Rob Zombie. And there's the Halloween Town uh, costume shop, which is just huge open year round. You can get Halloween I costumes think I've and been costume there. paraphernalia. Uh, they have one for kids and then there's the Halloween town main store, which is all like home decor. So you can get like pillows and like decorations. How did I not know about this? It's like one of my faves. And, uh, it's, I will, uh, write at a coffee shop in that neighborhood. And then when I'm done working, I'll just walk around all year round. I always am bringing stuff home, which I really shouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. That's a, that's a good tip if you're visiting LA to see something kind of unique. Yeah. That's not some awful walk of fame where people are trying to be Chewbacca. Exactly. And get you to pay to take photos with them. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah, that's a good tip. Thank you. For the Halloween season, I want to... And all of those places are owned by really great business owners who kind of keep the Halloween spirit alive year-round. Wonderful people. So I'm always happy to uh, promote for them because they help bring the delight. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Halloween spirit... Okay. Let's let's dive in to the holiday itself. <laughs> Grandma? <laughs> <laughs> One kind of s- source of how I figure out what's going on in the Halloween season and what's the new trend, what are what's moving and shaking in the world of Halloween are sort of those better homes and gardens, Food Network, Martha Stewart Living magazines that do a feature on Halloween or those really special editions that are just about like Halloween crafts, Halloween mm-hmm. food, Halloween decorations, and homemade costumes, which sadly are always child-based, which really irritates me. They don't really do a lot of adult costume ideas, which I think is ageist. So quickly, we're going to talk about Halloween 2017. We've okay. poured through these magazines. We've done our research. Yes. What are the major trends that we're noticing pop up in modern-day Halloween culture? Glam. Glam. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that too because a lot of these are like incorporating kind of like disco-y sort of yeah, like glittery. glitter sequins yeah. and it's always on the white pumpkins. Oh, yeah. those white pumpkins. I mean, it's been, I, I feel like it's been some years of white pumpkin domination. Yeah. White pumpkin supremacy. Yeah, but it's definitely like a more, <laughs> like so trying to make pumpkins look more sophisticated and glamorous. I think before we Sparkle. recorded, Matt used the term craft pumpkins, and I think that's true. Because like, mm-hmm. I don't really remember that from my childhood. No. You'd get your standard orange pumpkin, you'd cut it up, yeah. throw the goop in a bag, or roast the pumpkin seeds, and that was it. We didn't have yarn pumpkins. We didn't have pale white pumpkins. We just... Exactly. Yeah. Standard had, pumpkin. Had the classic orange round ones. Right. But speaking of oranges, another thing I noticed in Halloween Tricks and Treats publication here from Better Homes and Gardens is that it's beyond just the craft pumpkin. Like, I think a new thing is, like, carving things like jack-o'-lanterns that aren't pumpkins. Like, I saw in here, they show how to carve oranges. 
uh, to look like little pumpkins. Which well, I, that, that was kind of cute. Why can't it's, they just get little pumpkins, though? Well, I, I agree with Jillian on this one. But also, I think <laughs> that um, the sustainability, like a pumpkin, when you carve it, can at least last for a while. Right. I think mm-hmm. if you like carve a little jack-o'-lantern face into an orange in like a day, one, it's going to smell, and two, it's going to like <laughs> be rotting. Because yeah, oranges are like, yeah, yeah. Fruit flies yeah. here. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, that's true. That's bizarre. Yeah, the craft pumpkin revolution is huge. I mean, when you go into any Joanne Fabrics or Michaels, usually the first thing you see once you walk past the pine cones are the craft pumpkins all stacked up in like black, orange, white, green. And I noticed them especially, I'm watching all of the Hallmark Fall Harvest movies. And... When they, whenever they carve a pumpkin in that, because the actors can't carve pumpkin. I mean, you know what? I don't want to go that far. Maybe the actors can carve pumpkins very well. I don't mm-hmm. know. But definitely someone's doing it for the film, and then they oh, turn yeah. around to reveal it, and it's beautiful or whatever. It's, it's not them carving it. So they do that on a, on a craft pumpkin. Right. So it's easy. To, you know, they can just... It's a prop. Right. And it makes sense, but it's so noticeable. You can just, like, just the thinness of the top of it. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess that's where we are as a mm-hmm. culture. Well, from just the onset filmmaking standpoint, for you to sit and wait for an actor to carve a pumpkin would like eat a chunk of the day that you don't have. <laughs> right. So um, it would have to be pre-carved regardless. But um, I don't know why you couldn't have a real pumpkin. They, they could have carved a real pumpkin. Yeah. But they're doing craft pumpkins. Um, and they are all white, typically. Like the cover of Halloween Tricks and Treats, all glamorous Gold also. Yeah, yeah, that's gold is coming. Glam. I guess it goes back to the yeah, glam it's all, thing. It's all about that glam. Even the food. They like all this. Like I saw two different like specials about Halloween food, and it had gold foil on them. Well, I can't. You know, I can't really speak ill about this because I really got suckered a couple years ago into uh, sparkly silver pumpkins, which I bought a few oh. for my like mm. collection. I call them the disco pumpkins, and those mm. are usually like a centerpiece of my table. But I was looking at them the other day. I'm like, why did this happen? <laughs> like, I'm not mad at it, but it's just so counter the usual. So I, I guess we have tra- mm-hmm. we've just graduated from silver to gold, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think there's some like element of that that it feels a little classier. And so you can do a fall decor, do Halloween and still feel like it's upscale because again, Halloween decorations do lean a little, you know, kitschy, kitschy. Exactly. People are living through their pumpkins. Yeah. You know, like like you need to jazz it up because well, dark times. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There are some gold sequins on your pumpkin. Provide, bring it, bring some light light into your life. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Another trend I've been noticing in terms of color, if it's not white or gold or silver, it's this like really deep sparkly blue, like this midnight blue color. Oh, I haven't seen that. That I've been seeing in a lot. Like actually, what made me think of it was the moonbeams on pumpkins candle that we burned last time. I love that name of the candle. And That's great. It's really which nice. actually I saw another moon moonbeam candle from a different company when I was at uh, Marshall's the other day. I'm and so this is a trend. Though. What do moonbeams smell like? Like, have you ever been outside and you're like, ah, the moon. Yeah, the moon. <laughs> that moon's smelling right tonight. <laughs> it smells like the harvest. Yeah. I, I like the idea of it, though. That yeah, it's, it's very smell, evocative. Small moonbeam. And that candles, this like midnight blue color. Um, and several magazines had features where like celestial, like here's, Carve your pumpkin in the shape of 
constellations. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be like space is like a, a new trend for Halloween. Well, as someone who loves space and astrology, I'm down for that. I am 100% would make constellations on my pumpkin if I had the time. Because Martha Stewart said you need a drill to make constellations. And I really wanted to make that pumpkin, I don't but know. I don't have a drill. I think if I just stab a screwdriver in, it'll be fine. And that'll I'll, give I'll it, keep you updated. And that'll give it some horror chic <laughs> element to it. It'll look really jagged. But don't you also need like individual LED lights for that? Yeah, yeah you put the a lot of work. You, you put the LED yeah. light in each for each star, and that's mm -hmm. no It looks way. so beautiful, though. It looks so nice. So nice. I, I would be down If you have a that, whole day to that. make a pumpkin. I mean, maybe I'm a traditionalist. I still just like a standard pumpkin, like Jamie Lee carving for while she's watching the kids. That stupid face. Because you know what? That's the pumpkin. That's the one. I'm referring to the stupid face on the pumpkin. Jamie Lee's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Just for clarification. Uh, I don't know. I, but I... I will get into like detailed pumpkin carving, but at the end of the day, I just like a standard jack-o'-lantern. That's... Yeah. Yeah. And that never gets old. Never yeah. goes out of fashion. That's right. Do you, when you're carving your jack-o'-lanterns, do you draw or plan the face, or do you just start carving? If it's a standard one, I don't need to draw it, like because it's literally something I've just been doing for so long. I can, I, I'll, I'll carve like five or six pumpkins throughout the month of October. Really? Yeah, because I like to switch it out on the uh, pa the patio mm. as one. Well, especially here in LA, you know, unlike being in the Midwest, where you could carve a pumpkin and it could sit on your your deck for a week, we still have like the hottest months of oh, September yeah. and October. Mm -hmm. So. I have to kind of like be aware that uh, Jack O'Lantern's little cute face is going to cave in a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will occasionally do design pumpkins where I uh, do something a little more detailed. And that I will kind of like sketch out first before I, I carve. How about you, Jillian? I'm the guts person. I'm the person who <laughs> scrapes out the, the pumpkin insides. Now, do My you girlfriend does the cut. Cut it. Yes. Do you do seeds? Do you like to roast the seeds? Um, I've never dabbled in that before. Maybe this year. I I do, I do that. I just I, can't. I, I can't. I'm I'm not really great with um, lines and cutting or planning. Yeah. I'm just I'll just scoop it out. I'm happy to do it. I enjoy doing it. Prepping like the, the pumpkin. Disemboweler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Well, part of the fun for... I love roasting pumpkin seeds. That's a tradition for yeah. me. So, like, that's the other reason I carve so many pumpkins throughout the year, because I get to do that, and uh, I have a little... They yield a lot of seeds. They do. And then, you know, you can just make, like, little baggies mm -hmm. for people. You can do oh, different spices. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think of Almost a little gift. Yeah. That's really nice. What a cozy surprise that would be for any guests coming over. That would be... Oh, can we also mention the mugs? Oh, yeah. Speaking of cozy gifts... Um, we received a lovely little gift yeah, from Michael. Yeah, Michael came bearing gifts. We got two spooky mugs. mugs. Well, one spooky mug and one eek mug. That's yeah. right. I immediately nabbed the pumpkin one. And I got the eek because I'm a little, <laughs> a little bit more dark. <laughs> well, you know, as Halloween is, is uh, the season I suppose I'm most closely associated with, I can't come and do a Halloween special without spreading the joy. Yeah, it was very nice. You're the father Christmas of Halloween. Yeah. I'll take it. Thank you, Michael. Yes, thank thank you, you for having me. Yeah. Uh, another trend, really quickly, is, and this has actually been coming for a long time, it's slowly been incrementally into the culture of Halloween, which is Dia de los Muertos. You see more mm. of the Day of the Dead mm -hmm. aesthetic coming into American Halloween. And now when, when you go to Target, like half the stuff that the, they offer, and I bought one actually, is like a pumpkin in the style of like a sugar skull. 
Oh, wow. I'm and, just looking at it. That's really cool. And I really love it, honestly. I mean, I, I think I, I really like how, I don't know, the cross-pollination of those two holidays. I kind of like, actually, if I had my had to pick one, I think, first of all, like Dia de los Muertos is like more of the aesthetic I like for Halloween. Right. For In any case. And on top of it, I like that it's really connected to actually re- like reconnecting with dead people and remembering people you loved. Yeah. And there's something so sweet about that holiday and so emotional. Mm-hmm. I really love that holiday. See, I think in every magazine I leafed through, yeah. that, that theme was present. I just am happy to know that people are getting more international awareness. Mm-hmm. Because I do think it's a great holiday, and I, I think it's a wonderful tradition. Uh, and I really like to keep that Halloween spirit going past Dia de los Muertos because it gives us a reason to continue celebrating into November. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's cool. I really like it. Let's talk costumes. Okay. Do you stress about your costume for Halloween? Do you, do you know what you want to be come Halloween time? I, I think it is very stressful. It's almost as making plans for New Year's. It's yeah. just so much expectation involved and you I mean it's bringing your A game or at least trying to. So it's a lot of stress for me personally and I like to make mine. So I'm always rushing at the last minute to get all the supplies and I think I still have a scar from a hot glue gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of work when you make your own, but I think I prefer Do you always make, make your own costume? Um for the past few years I have. Mine have I was a like an, a nymph fairy, and then last oh I was a constellation. I was oh, no I'm sorry I was the night sky. So I had a black dress and like I made all the constellations on my dress and got little solar system stickers from Michaels and put them all over my dress and did you know galaxy inspired makeup on my face and that was really fun and I like that I like those types of costumes where you can really have a lot of fun with it and add on to it. And be comfortable. Yeah. Because that's yeah. something to be careful about is I've, I've done costumes before where it just felt like a chore to walk around in it. Yeah. And that's not fun. Yeah. So I think all past years, my um, costumes have just been me with an address, but then adding on to it to make it into the costume. So I've always been comfortable. How about you, Michael? What's, what's your method? Uh, you know, honestly, I do, I make all of my costumes as well. And, uh, I have started planning as far as a year in advance in the past. Wow. Um, there have been some Halloweens where the night of Halloween, while I'm wearing the costume of that year, an idea occurs to me. And the next day I like write it down and start thinking about throughout the year, how I can make that happen. Um, and I've had some fairly elaborate costumes in the past, um, but I've found in recent years, it may just be with age, uh, I still put the effort in and I like I do uh, still make my costumes, but I'm more interested in uh, outfits that are more comfortable anymore mm-hmm. um, because in the past I had like moving parts and like, you know, cumbersome things and they always look great, but it's like last year I was a Babar, king of the elephants. Aww, and that was like, cute. It, uh, it was a great costume one because people had the nostalgia factor for it, but it was literally a suit and like, you know, with, with the elephant, like stuff that I put on my face. But, um, so I was comfortable. I could chill out. Uh, so now I kind of think about the functionality as well as the fashion, you know, hmm. my issue with, Halloween costumes is that I'm such a stickler for the detail. Yeah. And I need it to look exactly like it looked either in the movie or the TV show or whatever mm-hmm. I'm I'm basing it off. And so 
I'm just not comfortable going with like the the next best thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. And I don't yeah, yeah. settle. And it it turns something that should be fun <laughs> into something that's a little intense. And I, it's it's something I do to myself. So I only have myself to blame for it. But well, two years ago, I was. Uh, the character Daniel Radcliffe played in the movie Horns, and he wears a very specific okay. leather jacket in it. And I remember I was out, uh, and someone took a picture and tweeted it to Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, who wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And, cool. and Joe Hill was like, that jacket looks like the one he wore in the movie. And I'm like, no, it's a screen match jacket. I had someone make this jacket. It was not like, because I couldn't just wear any leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that, to me, was definitive of the character. Like, three or four years ago, I was the MC from Hocus Pocus, the skeleton ah. MC. Oh, that's um, great. And it's a great I, good idea. one. And I did... Uh, several several makeup tests to make sure that I got the makeup that he wore uh, on exactly right. Because if you're going to do it, you better do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really impressive. I was Harry Potter one year. Mm-hmm. And that was easy because there are so many resources. Right. And pre-made stuff that is screen accurate. Yeah. And I'm working on a costume now that does not have that level of... I've had to go all over the place finding different pieces of the costume to match it. And the colors are really weird, and it's it's a whole mess, and and you'll see what it is eventually, but well, it's it's a whole process. Often it's colors. That's the thing. Like when you pick a costume that seems fairly simple to do, like Bad Bar, I thought, oh, well, it's a mm-hmm. suit that make that'll be easy. But he wears that primary green suit jacket, and when you go and try and find a suit jacket that's just like color wheel green. You'd think it would be easy, mm-hmm. but those don't really exist in the world. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time to find that. Or like, I remember when I was in college, because I've always been very dedicated to this, I just decided I was going to be Dick Tracy. And I'm like, because it's easy. He's a detective. He just wears this like trench coat. Yeah. But like a canary yellow trench coat is hard to find. It took me, like, I remember I drove to every, like, I found what, I found one like two hours away from my school. That was like how dedicated I was. Because wow. it was like kind of pre-internet ordering. Um uh, so sometimes it's the simplest things. Like you pick a costume because you're like, oh, that'll be easy. But if you're like a stickler to screen uh, matching or whatever, it's not. Because a lot of those colors are picked for, you know, visual mm-hmm. reasons. But they're not actually things that people wear in real life. Yeah. yeah. I used to do a lot more makeup when I was a kid. I was Two-Faced one year oh, from cool. Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so smug about the fact that I used the liquid latex and I painted my face <laughs> versus the people who just bought masks. Yeah. And we got a real suit and we spray painted it and like mm. actually frayed it and made it look like the suit in the movie versus the store-bought costume. All this store-bought stuff always looks so terrible. Right. It's like this weird, what is it even made out of? It's like the cheapest fabric in the world. Yeah. Um, it looks like you're just wearing a bag. <laughs> and <laughs> I, so we made it and that was, that was great. And in middle school, too, I was the Phantom of the Opera. And the weirdest thing was that even though there's a mask and everything, I still did the underneath, like, horror makeup. But not Phantom of the Opera, like, the movie, but the the musical. That's a lot of makeup. That is a lot of makeup. And also, when you're in seventh grade and you're showing up to your Halloween dance as the Phantom of the Opera, like the Michael Crawford Phantom of the Opera... I did. I got the most. Like either people didn't. People knew who I was, but they made fun of me. It was kind of I'm, traumatic. Can't say I'm surprised. Wow, <laughs> Chilean. Wow, no, wow. No, no, There's a bully for you right no, there. No, no, I 
think it's wonderful and adorable and so sweet, but I can, in the context of middle school, like... Yeah, it was not smart. The most ravenous... I was obsessed. ...time period. That was the first Broadway musical I had seen, and I was just like, I, I loved all of it, and I showed up as the Broadway Phantom... And I, I think I like I just wanted to cry all night because oh, people Matt, were just sort of like so heartbreaking. People were making fun of me. Oh wow, god, it's over now. Yeah, the music of the night. yeah. That I mean, that's a lovely costume. That's a really good one. But I can middle schoolers are ruthless. They are. You were like fresh meat yeah. walk, walking into that dance. Uh, but I, I, I think that uh, what I appreciate most is how committed that you were like i'm not just the phantom i'm like michael crawford right the phantom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um also i mean kind of how cruel is it that they made a child's costume for that because they had a little mask that i could buy oh so big phantom little phantom <laughs> um oh. all right so how about movies so when you're watching when, when, when you're watching films on halloween i, I want to divide these into two camps because i feel like there's two solidly different camps in terms of Halloween movies. There are the family Halloween movies sure, that yeah. are more about the holiday and they're for everybody. And there are the horror movies that people watch on Halloween. Of course. And let, let's address first the, 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 just the Halloween movies. And when I think about that, I think of like Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. The Witches, um, Halloween Town. Yes. Do you have a favorite Halloween family film that you like to watch around this season? I think that uh, I'm so excited, actually, because, you know, people can hear me talk about horror movies all the time. It's just part of, like, my gig. But I never get to talk about this particular movie. And, of course, I love Hocus Pocus and I love Halloween mm-hmm. Town and all of those. But a annual tradition for me, uh, and I even have a theatrical poster for this movie hanging in my house. This is how much I love it, uh, is to watch Practical Magic starring mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock and Nicole, Kid- Nicole Kidman uh, because... It encapsulates so much of that autumn and Halloween aesthetic. They live in this big New England house. They're a family of witches. Um, but it's also like this like touching story about sisters like, reclaim, like rekindling their relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a wonderful movie. And it's so Halloween-y. And it's like, I want witchy ants who drink midnight margaritas with me. And it's like, it's just a good like warm blanket. I want blanket. to be a witchy yeah. aunt who drinks a <laughs> midnight margarita. Yeah. Uh, so that to me is is a cozy, fun movie that you can watch with people at Halloween if they are not into scary stuff. Yeah, um, and it's just so good. And like, who doesn't want to see Nicole Kidman, Sandra Bullock, Diane Weist, and Stockard Channing just like living their best witch lives? That to me is yeah. the the Avengers of cool witches. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. How about you, Jillian? I'm a standard hocus pocus person. <laughs> Basic Hocus Pocus. Yeah, basic I love Hocus Pocus. Me too. I, I just, I, I think for me, I love this setting so much. Yeah. I think they do such a great um, job of getting those locations and really setting the feel of a New England town. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's really great about it for me and the costumes. Of it's course. really colorful. It mm-hmm. is. It's a really fun movie. And I think... I'm learning that it's a very divisive movie. People are, have very polarizing opinions about... What polarizing opinions? Well, I've, I've met people who hate it, and yeah. I don't understand what? that either. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, part of it is age. I think yeah. when if you were younger when that movie came out and you saw it as a child, you were the audience for that movie. Yeah. We, we were the audience for that movie. Mm-hmm. And so we were on its wavelength. Mm-hmm. And it's the perfect... Halloween movie for like a tween age person. Yeah. Like it's a little edgy. It has some dark humor. 
but ultimately it's very sweet. Yeah. And that's perfect for that age. And we all have, we're all nostalgic about like for that movie. It's, it's, it brings us back to that time. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense why we all like it. But I think just as a family film, it's really well constructed. Mm -hmm. It's breezy. It's funny. It's a little scary too. The the witches can be a little frightening for some people. Definitely. And I want that book. (laughs) I've always wanted that book. Yeah. That's made of human skin. I mean like that, (laughs) these these little creepy factors that are so wonderful that ground it. They do Hocus Pocus every year um, at El, the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, and they have the costumes in the basement when you go. Wow. So I like that was like going to Mecca for me, <laughs> is seeing the actual costumes That's they wore. Cool. I took so many photos, because my dream of dreams is to dress as Winifred Sanderson. Like, again, I'm such a stickler for screen accuracy that I, it needs to be perfect. Right. I'm, and actually, they've, they have come out with licensed Halloween costumes and wigs finally for the the witches. But I don't think that's going to be good enough for me. I think I'm going to have to go learn how to sew and make the, the Sounds dress Sounds like a year one in the making. Yeah. So if you were a Sand- Sanderson sister, you would be Winifred. I would be Winifred. I just like that lipstick. Both, that Elizabethan thing going both on. Both in costume and in life, though? Would you Do you view yourself personality-wise as a Winifred? No. I, th- I think in general I'm much more like um, the Kathy and Jimmy character. Mary. Mary, that's right. I... If I was realistic, I'm probably a Sarah. I, you know, <laughs> because as much as I enjoy devilishness, I like that whole thing where she's like boys, and I'm like, yeah, boys, I love it. Yeah, no. I thought they're making a, a remake. I thought I saw. Uh, yeah, that. well, they're thinking. I guess I guess they're developing a Disney Channel original oh, movie that's version. What I saw. Yeah. yeah, that's my understanding of Hocus Pocus. Which why? why? I, I don't. Doesn't need to be. Touched. We want a sequel, and all of the original cast members have expressed their interest in returning. Yeah. They play witches, so I, you know their age is not an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't understand why we're just not making a sequel. It's really silly. Right. Well, I think that, you know, since the very beginning, that movie, uh, Disney just has not been able to read the room with it. I mm-hmm. saw Hocus Pocus when it came out in theaters. Wow. Uh, my mom dropped me off. Like, she had work to do, and she was just like, get out of the house for the day. Uh, and the thing that's wild about that movie is that it came out in July of 1993. It was not... So weird. I remember seeing it in the middle of summer, but it's like this definitive Halloween movie. Why do they do that? It makes no sense. But like the box office returns at the time were terrible. It was a dismal failure at the box office. Of course. It, if, if you're going to yeah. drop it in July. Yeah. And so then, you know, it took years for it to get that cult following. And now, of course, everyone loves it. But like Disney considered it a failure at the time. But I, it's kind of like, of course it is. If you're going to release something that looks like the height of autumn in the middle of summer, no one wanted to go That's see so it. Then, right. Other than weirdo kids like me. So, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's still a gem. I also have to say that, like, little little me, when I saw the movie for the first time, Omri Katz, who plays Max Dennison, he was, like, my first dream crush. Like, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's, he's adorable. Cute. Also, And that film famously introduced the term yabos. Oh, God, the, the yabos. <laughs> the lexicons. In terms of people who don't like that movie, I think it's an age thing, again, because, I don't know, it's just like, do, do, what are, are people expecting to watch the movie and they're like, yeah, this is a genuinely adult-themed, funny Halloween movie. I don't know what the... I, I don't know. It just seems like watch it in the spirit that it was intended to be. It was. It's a, it's a kid's movie. Enjoy but it on that level. I respect the era of kids' movies where there are still stakes. I don't think that exists the way it used yeah. to anymore. The idea that, like, these witches are planning to steal the souls and, like, eat these kids is, like, dark. Mm-hmm. A book bound in human flesh, a curse that traps a, a child... 
uh, in, as a cat. Or like you look at the witches, they put that little girl in a painting and like the boys transformed into a mouse possibly forever. Or even Casper, which is another really great Halloween watch for kids. You know, that scene sad. at the end where he gets to be a real live boy for just a minute, like to tell her that he likes her, you know. It makes me cry. Yeah, I, I did cry in the theater. Yeah, yeah, can I keep you? You know, it's like, right. oh my God. And then there's that whole scene where Christina Ricci's reading the newspaper and you kind of are like, oh yeah, Casper died of like tuberculosis in the cold. <laughs> like you're just like, dark. holy we shit. We want sledding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's the other branch of film people watch mm-hmm. on Halloween. Well, you didn't tell us what your your cozy Halloween. Oh, movie well, is. you yeah. actually you addressed it, the witches. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's my absolute favorite. I, that's another costume dream, which is the Grand High Witch. Oh wow, Angelica that would be a good Houston's. one. Yeah. Would you do it as her human form or her witch form? As her human form, because it's glamorous. It is pretty glamorous. Just that cloak. That she doesn't wear it for much of the movie. Right. But when she's pushing the baby down the hill and she yeah. has it over her head, it's it's amazing. That <laughs> happens too. That's <laughs> wild. That movie is horrifying for the painting thing where they're putting little kids in paintings and trapping them and they stay there until they die. Yeah. And that is, I've never forgotten that. Mm. It scared me as a kid. That, the, that's one that actually scared me. Yeah, yeah. it's really scary. That. I don't know. That's a, that's a really one. If you haven't seen, also, it's a, I think it was a was it a television movie? Witches? No, it wasn't. It was no, it was it a theatrical. theatrical. Yeah. Never mind. I still feel like we haven't gotten a real proper presentation of the witches on on Blu-ray. Is there a Blu-ray for it? Not as far as I know. I don't know who owns the rights to that. I, I made a point of going to see the movie on film when it was showing. I think at. Cinefamily a couple of years ago. Oh, was that when uh, the same series where you and I went and saw Teen Witch and The Worst Witch? Yes. <laughs> and I made a point of that because when on the DVD transfer, it's um, it's the, what is it? The four by three, the the television. Oh yeah, framing. Four, yeah, four three is a TV aspect ratio. The, the aspect ratio. Yeah. Thank you. And um, sixteen nine would be movie. They they cut off the sides, and right. that's the only version you can watch at home. Is that true? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Because especially that scene, Letterbox, when she first walks up to the conference of witches and you know does the big hand gesture, that in a widescreen format would look really great because mm-hmm. you have this like big kind of cinematic sequence of all these women who have clearly come from all over the United mm-hmm. Kingdom or the world, I suppose. It's suggested it's the world, but they all just seem to be old British ladies. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I love that scene. They're just sprinkled drag queens in there as well. Half of them are men. Well, you know, live your witchy life. Right. Yeah. It's hard to see the witches in the way it was meant to be seen. So justice for the witches. We need a new Blu-ray. Maybe maybe I'm behind on this and someone can inform me that there has been that, but... I, I don't think so. I think we're still working off of the, the, the TV aspect ratio. What's interesting, all of us for our cozy Halloween movie picked movies about witches. Yeah, well, they're quite cozy. I mean, to me, witches are the quintessential Halloween figure. I think year-round I aspire to be a witch, actually. I'm okay with that. I always wanted to be a witch as a costume as a kid, obviously, because my top two dream costumes are witches. <laughs> <laughs> I would just love to be a generic witch, but like I don't know. I I, I I guess as a man, I feel like I need I need to have the confidence to basically go and drag. You well, know, I I think. You and as a kid, you're not ready for that usually. So 
that middle school dance would have been that would have been a, even worse. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine coming in like in full Winifred Sanderson? Oh God, <laughs> I can't even. The, wor- the world wasn't ready for that. But it, 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 it will be. Your time will come. Uh, anyway. <laughs> On the other hand, we have the horror movies. Yes. Yeah. And for me, I like. Actually, my my boyfriend and I feel totally opposite about horror movies. I like supernatural. He likes stuff that could really happen. So his favorite movies in terms of like scare factor are The Strangers, mm-hmm. Vacancy, sure. things things that feel like they could really happen. I like Haunted Mansion movies. Not The Haunted, mm-hmm. no, not that one. That one is not one of the movies that I like. But The Eddie Murphy joint. <laughs> one terrible Haunted Mansion movie that I love but cannot defend is the 1999 remake of The Haunting. I saw that in the theater and I kind of like remember like not hating it. What I, I do have this like through line of haunted house movies where the houses are supposed to be terrifying, mm-hmm. yeah. but instead I like want to live in them. <laughs> like the house from Casper, speaking of Casper, mm-hmm. yeah. I always wanted to live in that house. It's and gorgeous. I, it is gorgeous. It's kind of like weird and Tim Burton-esque mm-hmm. and I really like that. I like the house from the 99 haunting. Hang out with Stretch and Stinky. Yeah. Aww. You know. Stretch. Stretch and sticky. And uh, was there one other one? This, there was a, a larger one. I forgot his name. Oh, it was Fatso. It was actually Fatso. Fatso. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying to be PC about it. That would never fly today. No, it would there never. Would never That's right. Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. Yeah, it would never fly today. Like, But we're more <laughs> upset about that than the fact that Casper died of tuberculosis in the cold. Oh, wow. um, Where's I, the think piece about, around Fatso? We're I know. missing that. That's uh, it should be written by Bill Pullman since he was like the paranormal researcher. I can't in the get movie. over that. Uh, Sizeism oh and ghosts. Uh, yeah, the ninety nine hunting with Catherine Zeta Jones and uh, Lily Taylor. There was something about like dead kids in that movie too. Like, oh that yeah, was, yeah. No, the, the 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 dead kids were a huge part of it. The one really creepy scene was when all of the angels carved into the headboard of her bed like turned to look at her. While she's oh. sleeping, I re- I think it's a really scary movie. That that fireplace decapitation with the pendulum that comes and just takes the head off. For all its flaws, I think that's a really scary movie, and it, I kind of feel like it's a spiritual sibling to Thirteen Ghosts, which oh. also came out around the same time with Matthew Lillard. I kind of like Thirteen Ghosts. I also like the remake of House on Haunted Hill that Jeffrey Rush was in around oh, yeah. that time. Yeah, um, they're so all kind of kin. They are definitely. So those, I, I recently watched Crimson Peak, which is a gorgeous movie. It's so just visually stunning, like all of Del Toro's movies are. But I was a little bit disappointed by where it went in terms of story. Right. How about you guys? What do you like to watch? Um, I can't really jump in too much here. Um, I don't really like, well, I, I hate gore. I, hate, mm-hmm. I despise it. And even if it's like... In a in a funny vein, I just don't I don't enjoy it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I really like that movie with Michelle Pfeiffer, What Lies Beneath. Oh yeah, that's, oh, a, great that's film. a good one. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's kind of like more my thing. Right. Where it's like it's super creepy, but there's there's a lot of backstory with the characters yeah. and the mystery. That it kind of plays off of true crime in a little in some way. Because Definitely one of the like I think one of the best constructed thrillers ever made. Yeah, I, I like I like more of thrillers. 
and I, 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 yeah, I, I despise the gore stuff. That's why I can't really get into American horror stories, um, because it's just too much gore for mm-hmm. gore. It seems like sometimes. Yeah, it, it's definitely indulgent. Yeah, and I just can't. How about you, Michael? As uh, the resident expert. Well, I mean, I think, of course, during the Halloween season, there are some go-tos that just seem obvious, like John Carpenter's Halloween. It's kind of a must-watch at some point during the season. I love Trick or Treat, the one with the little kid and the intersecting stories. I haven't seen that. Uh, it's really good. Mm. And actually, I think, you know, outside of Carpenter's Halloween, it's one of the best Halloween-centered uh, horror films because it's three different stories that intersect all throughout the night of Halloween in this one town and like kind of a respect for the holiday. Like you'll be safe if you follow the rules of Halloween, but, um, and it's, it's cool. It's just like, if you really want something that captures the spirit of fall, that movie is, is, is really great. Uh, because I see horror movies all throughout the year though, I think for Halloween, I tend to like to lean into things that are a little more classic and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch a lot of, uh, Hammer films from the mm. 70s and Hammer is a, a wonderful studio in the United Kingdom that like made their mark in the 60s and 70s doing gothic horror movies usually starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing so I'll sit, sit down and watch you know like the horror of uh, Dracula or you know Taste the Blood of Dracula Frankenstein Created Woman and all of those movies and they're great like and there's just something about them lurking around in these big old houses and the the, the creepy villages and mm-hmm how everyone's sort of stately, mm-hmm. even while these horrific things are going on, it just lends itself to the Halloween season. There's like that uh, gentleman villain kind of, right. of aesthetic that I really just for some reason feel fits the holiday. It's a lost art. It is, yeah. Yeah, those movies are, those movies are wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love them, and I have a whole collection of, of Hammer films that I could, I could literally just for the month of October watch all of those and be fine with the exception of, of a few here and there. But I mean, there are contemporary movies that come out every so often that uh, I like to add to the queue. Last, a couple years ago, an anthology movie called Tales of Halloween came out, and it's 10 short stories that are all set on Halloween night, and that was a lot of fun. That sounds cool. Uh, yeah. Lots of you know you know what I actually and it probably uh, fits more with the Halloween and not horror movie things. But a new tradition for me is the Goosebumps movie. Oh, with Jack Black. Yeah, because it's so fun, mm-hmm. and it also has that good like Halloween atmosphere. I really enjoy it. I think that like if you grew up reading those R.L. Stein books, it has that like wonderful uh, mm-hmm. Halloween feel to it, and uh, I, I like that. It is a little creepy. It's that children's horror film that I was talking about earlier where there still is uh, stakes. Right. Yeah. I, I like that the way they incorporated all the books. The, f- the framing of it was really well done. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, what's funny is I saw it at a like 9 p.m. screening at the Arclight, and uh, it was me and like three other adults, which maybe was the best way to go see a children's film because yeah. there were no kids there being loud. But like you could tell like everybody else in the theater like loved it. Uh, we were, it was just celebratory. I think we were all having this like flashback to childhood. So it's awesome. I still want to see more monster blood. Yeah. Monster blood was woefully left out. Yeah. Hopefully that, that comes into the sequel. All right. Well, oh, also while we're still talking about movies, I also love the Adams family movies, which I've recently rewatched and they totally hold up. Those are really, I don't think they're celebrated enough no i agree i think that adam's family values is one of my absolute favorites if 
only for the marvelous performance of Joan mm-hmm. Cusack as Debbie Jelinski. It really might be the performance of her career. Yes. It's amazing. So that brings us to our next segment, Celebrities That Scare You. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a really scary <laughs> celebrity. i for this. <laughs> I will start. Uh, moving past the obvious, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll say the celebrity that scares me the most is James Woods. He's, oh. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, imagine being trapped in a, a room with James Woods. Mm-hmm. Just awful. Yeah. I, I don't It's it, creepy on every level. I really, and just ideologically um, deplorable. No, you know, and it's it, working in the industry and working in film. Uh, I try and make a policy of just, you know, if I don't have anything nice to say about someone, just not say anything at all. Uh, but in the case of James Woods, he is pretty deplorable. Like, you know, this is one time I'll break my rule and say <laughs> that guy has really kind of just been uber mm. gross over the right. last few years about his politics and his interaction with others. It's kind of like you're allowed to have a different ideology than me mm-hmm. uh, as am I allowed to have a different one than you. And that's like the joy of existence. But um when you're patently cruel to people about it, yes. that's when it's a problem. I'm all for everyone living their best life, no matter you know what what their opinion is. But he's just kind of mean, and that's not yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. What kind of monsters makes fun of somebody's kid the way that he yeah mocked uh, Lee Schreiber's child? That was just really uncalled for. Yeah. Right. He just does really awful stuff on a daily basis. So he scares me. I would not want to be near him. No. Um. How about you, Julian? Alex Jones. Oh, a good choice. That is a good choice. (laughs) He, I mean, I was debating between him and Sean Hannity because I hate Sean Hannity so much, but I feel like Alex Jones is way more terrifying. Terrifying because I really feel like he believes what he says. No, that's the thing. He really doesn't. You don't think he does? No, he didn't say as much. He said that he does it for theater, and that's what's the terrifying part. Because in that custody case with his kids, his lawyer says he's, he's performance art. In, a, in an essence, like he's, oh, he I does theater. That. So I think that's what's even more terrifying right. that you would use a national tragedy for theater. Like the, the Newtown stuff is just too much. It's so yeah. damaging too. Yeah. That if it's all performance art to you, like think of the repercussions of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's a good, that's a good choice. Michael. Huh? What, who is terrifying to me? Like, you know, I'm going to go old school and say uh, Barney the Dinosaur. Oh, the darker purple one is really scary. Yeah. No, I mean, and I know it seems ridiculous, but when you think about the fact that, like, you don't know who's inside that costume. I Mm -hmm. always thought this even as a kid. Like, Mm -hmm. I I was always just kind of, like, wary of those sort of costume characters. But then the fact that, like, the T-Rex is, like, a predator. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, he's skipping around with these children. And I don't know. It feels real creepo. I loved dinosaurs as a kid, but I never connected to Barney. There was yeah. always something. I think it's in the eyes. Yeah. Definitely the eyes. Yeah. I think it was past our time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. past our time. But I still watch a lot of kids' TV, even when I shouldn't have been right. watching that. But, like, I, his eyes are so dead. That's right. And they're not, like, honestly, I feel like reptilian eyes would have been a better choice <laughs> than the weird, like, dilated pupils they gave him. I don't know. The whole thing just does not work for me. Mm, I agree. 
I don't. I never got the Barney craze. No, no. I mean, I think the same could be said by a lot of those like shows. Um, Just I re- the, yeah. I remember my mom called me once, and this is definitely past my time, but she was like channel surfing or something, and she said, um, "Do you know about these Teletubbies?" And I was like, "What? What? What's this phone call about?" She was just like, "I'm just scared. Like, she's just like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't think this is good." Yeah. And she's not wrong. She also thinks that there's something sinister about SpongeBob, though. So maybe she just intuits like mm. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even Barney, there's so much presumptuousness in "I love you, you love me." Do I love you, Barney? Yeah. Yeah. It's a stretch. I just met you. Yeah. It is. It's like kind of like projecting. Like yeah. Welcome to my neighborhood, kids. There's, yeah. It's culty. It is culty. Like, mm-hmm. he's telling you you love him. Oh, I my God. Know. Like, Barney's the new Jonestown. We are peeling back the yeah. layers today. I really think it's that's sort of an untapped spooky thing that I haven't seen very... Like, I haven't seen any horror movies about a child, like, performer... Uh, maybe it's because it's too dark. I think it would be too <laughs> dark. It is pretty dark. Well, did you ever see that movie Death to Smoochie? Yes, th- that was really weird. Yeah, but that's probably as close as we're, we're, we'll get. Yeah. I did see at a film I don't fest- think any movie has made me feel more uncomfortable than yeah. Death to Smoochie. Uh, well, I can get that. Um, I was at a film festival a few years ago, and I don't remember the actual name of the short, so I'm, I'm doing the filmmaker a disservice, but there was a short film from Spain about a little kid who was obsessed with like a, a child character like Barney, but it's a bunny named Timmy. Mm-hmm. And he uh, would be watching the Timmy show and he kept envisioning Timmy in the house, like eventually killing his parents or whatever. And so I think that people realize how creepy these characters are, but it's like very delicate to like, you have to approach it right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause that left me very unnerved. Or even, even an it, they kind of, lean on the the new it movie yeah on creepy child um programs that's true i actually of all of the things in that movie um the scene where they're watching the tv and it's that sort of like down home cornerstone broadcasting channel Mm -hmm. that uh the clown creeps into the background of it was unnerving because i remember those shows being on tv yeah that sort of public access Actually, shows. on the way over here to record this, my mom, like she's getting some major mm-hmm. airplay on this episode, <laughs> she finally saw it. She went and saw it with, uh, with my cousin last night because she's in Florida, so she was delayed seeing it because of the whole hurricane thing. Mm. But she was excited to go see it, and she saw it, and she and I were texting back and forth uh, before I came over here. She was the one who pointed out that with the new movie's update of the timeline, the age of the kid who uh, is at the beginning, whose boat goes into the sewer, I would have been the same age as that kid oh. in, in the year that it is set. So I was just like, wow, that's that's mm. kind of disturbing. That is disturbing. I think almost more disturbing for a mom, because clearly she's thinking about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really liked that movie. I thought it was really great. Me too. Personally. Um, okay, so it's time. We have to wrap up. We're going to wrap up today the same way we always do, mm-hmm. by reviewing a candle. Okay. Our candle is a special Halloween scent by Yankee Candle called Haunted Hollow. The advertisement for it says... A spicy, spooky adventure through dark, piney woods with a ghostly trail of sweet incense. Oh. Actually, I I just realized that Yankee puts fragrance notes on its website about the fragrances. And so 
this one's saying so top, mid, and bass. And so it says in the website that the top note is the initial impression of the fragrance, middle note is the main body of the scent, and the bass is its final impression. So initially you're smelling spice. Okay. Then you get the incense, balsam, and pine needle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with a finish of patchouli, cedarwood, and golden amber. I have to be honest. Whatever I that smell, is. I smell none of this. I smell patchouli. Yeah, I get the patchouli. There's a sp- I get the spice. I'm definitely getting the spice. I'm not getting enough balsam or pine. I think this candle is actually very subtle. Like it's as opposed subtle. to the last time I did the show where it was like a very prominent scent. I think this is a, just a light sort of. Doesn't have much of a throw. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a much it. lighter than I thought it would be. It has a nice cute cat on the side, and I think no, that's my jar cling. Oh, oh, that's, that's, that's separate. Okay, I thought it does not come with the candle. Oh. Although, is that going to reduce your wick rating, J- Julian? Here's yeah, two things might. that's <laughs> nice about the new Halloween candles that Yankee's putting out is that the actual um, holder itself is reusable. Mm-hmm. You can peel off the label, and it has. On the inside, an inscription like a Halloween thing. You can't. You can only see it from the side, but um, they have like three different versions mm. of it, like a witchy one, I think a pumpkin one, and something else. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it is way more subtle yeah. than I thought. Like a a festive Halloween candle yeah. would be right. I usually burn like very pumpkiny candles. That yeah, are maybe like yeah, I like pumpkiny. Too aggressive because you know when your house smells like that pumpkin spice, you smell it. It's just, right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've been I've been so into them. I, f- I don't know if my r- initial review was more tepid of the moonbeams on pumpkins, but like as I've continued to burn it, it's been one of my favorites. And I'm kind of missing the power in this one. So mm. it was a slow burn come around. That's right. <laughs> so what do we think? How many wicks would we give this candle? I say one wick. One wick. Well, I, I always mess with the rating system. I'd, I want to give it the low wick. The low wick. So... I, yeah, I, I feel like I'd give it a half a wick yeah, half myself. A wick, so maybe one for, from the both of us. Okay. How about you, Michael? This is a half a wick. Uh, yeah. it's, and it's not that I dislike it, but I think it's just what we're saying is like, you had to draw my attention to the notes of it before. Mm-hmm. I knew a candle was burning the whole time because one, mm-hmm. I've done the show before, and two, I can see it right in front of me. But I actually kind of thought it was an unscented candle for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, can, yeah. I can barely smell it. So lacks powerful throw. Yeah. Very beautiful presentation. It's yeah, a, it's, it's gorgeous. It's a pretty candle. Yeah. I would buy it, but I'm just like, in terms of like scent power. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, this one's all about presentation, not about substance. Yeah. It's missing that throw. All right. Well, that, that about does it for our mm-hmm. spooky Halloween <laughs> spooktacular. <laughs> okay. Ooh. 2017 Halloween in the can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not in real time, because when this airs, Halloween, we're looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah. Still, still to come. Hope you all have a wonderful Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, please like us on Facebook. <laughs> that desperation note right after that really just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Please well, like us on Facebook. And Instagram as and, well. And follow us on Instagram. Facebook especially needs some love, you ghouls. So please go and like that. Um, and as always, please rate us and review us on iTunes. It really does matter for people finding us on iTunes. Um and you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at P-E-E-V-O-V-A-R-C-H-E-C-K. People of Archek. Jillian is at G-I-L-L-I-A-N-W-L-T-R-S. Yes. Um, Michael, where can they find you? Uh, I exist on 
most social media just is my name at Michael Verratti. That's V as in Victor, A R R A T I. <laughs> uh, you it's can a al- spelling bee now. It is, and you can also follow uh, my podcast uh, at Dead for Filth on Twitter. Yes, it's a wonderful podcast. Thank Do you. listen to it every yeah. week. A new horrific guest to talk about <laughs> <laughs> talk about horror films and horror culture. Really, yeah. Um, thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I always have a blast coming on. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. <laughs>